0: welcome to the disability a podcast where we have candid discussions about all things related to disability short-term long-term financial claims impact on other areas of life causes in the workplace and more with your host attorney angel burgess you can find this show at www.disabilityhelpline.com and on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Now here's the host of The Disability, Angel Burgess. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Disability. Today, we are pleased to have with us special education attorney and advocate, Francis Schechter from Schechter Law, PA. Welcome, Francis. Thank you, Angel. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. And I'm happy to share information with your listeners. Well, we are very excited um, because I know that you've got a lot of great information to share with our listeners. Uh, so let's just dive right in. Um, tell us first why you decided to start Schefter Law PA. So I was originally a teacher, I did my
2: undergrad in early childhood. Um, I was teaching regular education. I got my master's in special ed. I was teaching special ed. And then I was um, in an administrative teaching position, a special ed coordinator. And something just didn't feel right. It just wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. So I decided to go to law school. And in law school, I always knew I would either represent the families or represent the schools. Uh Um, I'm much happier representing the families. So that's when I started as Schefter Law. Well, I started as the Law Office of France of Schefter, but then... In 2019, became de law pa
1: Excellent. So with your practice, um, I know that you're a special education attorney and advocate. Can you tell us what the difference is? So
2: an attorney has a license, is, you know, barred. We have the ethics and standards we need to follow. Um, If anything goes wrong, there is a course of action. An advocate is usually a former special ed teacher or regular ed teacher, Um, or even a parent, somebody that of knowledge that knows about um, the law. So I say I'm both, or they know the law, but they're not a licensed attorney. So I say both because I'm a licensed attorney, plus I have all of the
1: education. So I'm an education advocate as well. Excellent. And and your background certainly has more than prepared you for this area of practice. Um, So in terms of ways that you can help families, how do they know that they need you? If your child has
2: an IEP or a 504 plan, or if you think your child needs one, you need me. Okay. Um, I offer, I mean, and everybody's like, of course you're going to say that. But no, I offer what's called a strategy session with my firm. And that's a one hour meeting with one of the attorneys to talk about what's going on with your child's case and what's going on in school and to develop a plan of action to get you where you want to be. So It's not necessarily, sometimes we tell them, you got this, you're good. And it's just reassuring them. Sometimes they hire us. It's all depends, but we're not, like the strategy session isn't your typical consult where we're just trying to sell you our business. We are giving you a plan
1: of action and then moving from there. Wonderful. I know that um, you also have um, an experience that you call a stress-free IEP. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So I came up with the phrase one time out walking um, and I just
2: like the ring of it. So I just kind of adopted it and started using it. And now it's trademarked. Um, we're waiting for the registration. Uh, but it's about like, that's what I want to provide families, not being stressed, you know, and everybody's like, you can't go to an IAP meeting without stress. I'm like you can if you have a person of knowledge with you. And somebody that knows the law and somebody that knows the education, knows how to rewrite an IEP if we have to, knows the teacher's language and how to use their language back to them to get what you want. And I tell I tell my clients all the time. they're like, "Well, what what should we or shouldn't we do?" I'm like, be the parent. Don't worry about it. No matter what you say in that room, there's nothing you can say that I can't say. What my clients are trying to say is, and put it in the words we need it to get to get the direction where you want to go with your child.
1: That's excellent. So do you find that most of your clients um, that come to you already have an IEP in place and perhaps that IEP is not being appropriately followed by the school? Or, or what is the the most common scenario for you? Um, I really have a mix because
2: I've had a lot that come that the school just won't evaluate. Oh. Um, so we have to jump in. We have... Um, Families that just want somebody with them on the annual review or, you know, they're they're in the eligibility process and they just didn't feel right at the first meeting and want somebody with them. Um, So it's really all stages. Like I I'm trying to think of like, which should I have the most of? And I mean, probably eligibility track is probably the most right now, but we have everything else as well.
1: So let's talk about the family um, whom the school will not evaluate. So is there a point in time as a parent where something may be going on with your child um, where the parent should take steps to ask the school to have their child evaluated?
2: Yes. So the first thing is if the parent thinks your child, if you think your child needs evaluating, you ask the school, you put it in writing and you say, I suspect there's some educational issues with my child. I want to start the special education process, please let me know when we'll have the meeting. Okay The school technically has thirty days from there to have that meeting to discuss whether the school thinks the child's eligible on data that they already have, the child the school needs more evaluations and evaluate, or the school says, no, we don't see what you see. we don't we don't think we need to evaluate.
1: And if the school comes back and says, We don't think the school needs to evaluate any further. Based off of the information that we have, we think that your child is just fine where they are um, and doesn't need any services. Can they contact you at that point if they disagree um, to try to help to get the needed services for
2: the child? 100%. I just had a case of that. So when a school refuses to evaluate um, or the school does an evaluation that the parents don't agree with, you can ask for what's called an independent educational evaluation, an IEE, at public expense. So the first thing that a parent should do if the school says no is, well, then I want an IEE. The school's not going to, they have, they, legally, they have two ways to respond. Yes, you can have the IEE or they file due process against the parent. If they don't have an evaluation to support, they can't, they're not going to win anything so you're going to get either the school will say, okay, we'll evaluate or the school will give you the IEE, um, And then that starts the process to keep going. Okay.
1: And what about kind of switching gears to a different scenario? Let's say that, you know, the child does have an IEP, but the parents don't feel that the IEP is either appropriately being utilized by the school or maybe the parent feels that there are some additional services that are needed that are not in the IEP. Can you be hired at that time?
2: Yes, 100%. And so either myself or my new attorney, who also is a former special education teacher, um, we can do what's called a document review with the strategy session. Um, In that case, you send us the information beforehand, whoever you're booked the strategy session with, reviews all the documents and then has a conversation with you about what we see and if what we you know if we agree with it. it integrity is very important to the firm and so if a parent wants one way but we don't see the data to support it we won't go that
1: way yeah. all right so you're going to give the families an honest review of the the data that's available Um, and help the families to understand how that may or may not align with whatever goals that they have for their child. Correct. What states um, are you able to provide services to families in?
2: So right now we are licensed in Maryland, D.C., Florida, and now New Jersey, because my new associate is licensed in New Jersey. So there we can provide legal services and nationwide we can provide advocacy services and the you know the difference with us is we can't call ourselves lawyers in a state that we're not bar so we're still a lawyer but in that in that state we're just an advocate and i idea is the only law federal law that has that um that area that parents can bring a person of knowledge it doesn't have to be an attorney oh. um and it, if we're just going, if we're in the IEP meeting, then it's fine. You know, we're not technically acting as an attorney. We're acting as an advocate. Um, Some states allow the advocate to take the case through due process if necessary. Some states do not. So it just depends on the state and where you are in the process.
1: So no matter where any of our listeners or anyone that we have watching, no matter where you live, if you are, either interested in having an advocate or an attorney to at least sit down and review your goals with you as a a family um, or to review any documentation that you have. Definitely Schefter Law, you'll want to contact them uh, and they can kind of take things from there, but at least they can review things with you and, and decide what the best course of action is. Yes. What about Free resources. So I know that you are big on educating the community. Um, so, are there free resources that you have that our listeners or our viewers can tune into to get some more information? Yes. So, on I have a YouTube channel, Shafter La PA. I have
2: over a hundred videos. Most of them are three-minute videos with just questions that have come up, to, you know, in my areas in my years of practice. So. I have like what are the eight parts of an IEP, and then I have the eight videos after explaining each part of the IEP. Okay. What do you do when a school says no? Like all all the questions that parents have asked me, I've done a quick video on. Um, and then there's also the video I like you do a show. It's called Stress Free IEP, where I interview people in the disability community um, that can that provide services. So like fair um, physical therapist, occupational therapist, psychologist. I've had them all on my show, which I need to have you on my show too. (laughs) Um, So that's the YouTube channel. And then I also have on my webpage that I have, I believe four downloads right now. Um, One is procedural safeguards, which for those that you don't know, it's a 34 page book usually with all of your rights and legal rights. We have it on one page. Wow. So just the nitty gritty of what you need to know. And so that you know the basics and know the words to use. I'm trying to remember the other ones we have. Uh, We uh, we have an acronyms one because schools love acronyms. So kind of the breakdown of acronyms. Um, We have my presentation Mm -hmm. on um, appropriateness of extended school year, um, which is a big one because most states don't do it appropriately. Um, Then my last one is, I think, is what to look for in an IEP. Um, But as we speak, those are getting updated and we're adding some more. So There's lots of free work resources on my site, Schefter Law PA. Wonderful.
1: Now we've talked uh, about IEPs and kind of the services that you provide um, around IEPs. Do you work at all with um, 504 plans? Yes, Um, we do 504 plans as well. A lot of times...
2: um, Schools like to say that, oh, well, you have to start with a 504 plan, and then if that doesn't work, we can go to an IEP, which is completely not true. The difference is a 504 plan is accommodations, and IEP has specialized instruction. If your child needs specialized instruction, they need an IEP. Accommodations aren't going to work. So it's a different form of eligibility. Um, And so we, a lot of times, parents will go and get the evaluation, and the school will say, oh, well, eligible for a 504 plan we're not eligible for a 504 plan, and that's where we can come in and help. And then we also now um, just started helping people on the college level with um, ADA accommodations. Okay. So, because it's very different. A lot of times parents walk into the college or university with the with IEP and into the disability office and say, here's my child's IEP. You need to implement it. Right. It's like, mm, that's not the way it goes here <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> so do you have clients that need, both that need an IEP and a 504 plan? I mean, yes, you can
2: have both. Usually the IEP covers everything that the 504 plan would cover. Okay. Um, so that's why you don't usually see both. But you can have both because they are under different laws. So remedies are different. Um, and then the other one that's, that's relevant is healthcare plan. Um, for our children that have physical disabilities and need health health issues, you have health issues and need things at the school to be done. There's a health care plan that's separate, and do you
1: all help
2: with the health care plans as well? We do. We definitely do. yeah. I mean, it's it's anything that's school based we could help with because it's just we've either done it, experienced it ourselves or know somebody that has, you know. so it's we can we can find the way and um get them there.
1: Now one of the things that I see a lot in my practice um, with you know disability and representing children and families um, who are trying to get benefits is that with children and you know transitioning age children, right? So, you know, getting ready to turn 18 or, you know, in the 18, 19, 20 ish range, um, I will also see some instances where there are behavioral issues um and i know that some families have a lot of challenges as it relates to services for their child or children with behavioral issues so is that something that you see um when you are you know representing families is you know trying to make sure that those behavioral issues are properly addressed by the school yes 100 percent, and that's um
2: So when I was a teacher, we used to say, you know, the children that are misbehaving are two reasons. One, they are so bright, you know, and are so bored in the class. They're looking for something to excite them. Or two, they're so far behind and lost and they don't want anybody else to see. So most of the time, well, well, I shouldn't say most of the time because I've had both, you know, on both levels. But, you know, when a child's misbehaving, you need to go and look at why. You know, children don't just misbehave. They're asking for help, and it's the parents and the school's job to find out what help this child needs, how to support the child to keep them on track educationally.
1: So if there are, um, you know, behavioral issues that are impacting the child's, like, performance in class, or maybe even so much that the child is being sent to an alternative school um, are you able to help families in those situations as well to make sure that the placement is appropriate given, you know, the, the issues that a child is having?
2: Yes, um, definitely. I've done it a few times because when there are certain behaviors, the school's like, as you said, an alternative placement. And that not, most of them do not have all of the supports needed. They can implement some IEPs, but not all. And so when I come in, my argument is that, whoa, when was the last IEP meeting? When was the last functional behavior assessment and behavior dimension plan? Have you guys been doing your job to help this child learn how to regulate themselves in school before just tossing them to an an alternative placement? So we can come in and help look and then help make that argument of why that place is not correct and why the school they're in is not correct. And what we can look at alternatively. All
1: right, well that that's a really great point that I want to be sure that our listeners and families that are watching, um, if your child has behavioral um, needs or issues, because I see it a lot, and and what I tend to see is off, you know, off you go to another school, um, and and I don't usually see a lot of okay, let's try this behavioral intervention. And, let's try this plan. Let's try this. I, I, I just don't see a lot of trying before I see that the children just slipped up. Right. Yep. slipped through the track cracks.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. And I, you know, I've had those cases. I've had sad cases. I do a lot of work with the abuse and neglect system in DC. Um, and a lot of times the parents don't know to ask for, and they trust the school mm-hmm. and their child goes for as long as you know they go a long time without any services and then by the time we get to them you know if they're in 8th grade and they've never had services well yes we can get an IEP put in place but the behaviors are so there it's hard to catch them up and get the behaviors you know back on track again um, but it's if you catch the behaviors and the root of the behaviors first and that's the whole point, is that you, you find out what the root of the behaviors are, what is going on, fix that issue, and the behaviors will go away.
1: And do you, is that part of the, what you will address in a strategy session um, with your office, with the families, um, you know, do you go over those things to try to figure out what's going on and, and what steps can be taken
2: Yep. A hundred percent. Um, we, we, I have gone through them. I have gone to manifestation determination meetings, um, which is when a child's been suspended more than 10 days in any given school year, they have to determine if the behavior is a manifestation of the disability, um, because they can't be suspended if it is, because then it's considered a placement change and the IEP team needs to do placement change. Um, we do that. We also, when a child's misbehaving, um, even if it's a general education child, and is looking at expulsion, or something else going on, we can come in, and help, and look at, should we be looking at something else, or what do we think, Um, and then back to where we said the integrity part is, sometimes I've told clients, like, look, if that's an option, because a lot of parents homeschooled during COVID, and it still could be an option, I'm like, honestly, if that's an option, that's the route I would go personally, because as much as the schools try, they can't meet the needs of every single child, unfortunately.
1: So. Great. Are there any, any little nuggets um, that you could offer to families or, you know, are there any kind of dunks that you would like to share with families? You know, before coming to you, there's anything that a family should not do um, that you could share with them?
2: Um, so the good thing about IDEA, um, is that it, like it's fluid. So even if this parents say, no, I don't want services today, tomorrow they can then put it up again. So it's not like, did they do the right thing? Maybe not the best choice, but it's okay. We can come in. It's not, it's not like a lot of times with lawyers, we say, you know, you went cheap at the beginning. So now you're going to pay us double to get you to where you want to be it's the same. It's just if you brought a son sooner, the child would have gotten the services sooner or your family would have been less stressed. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing they can do that don't that I would say don't do. But yes. if you're hesitant at all, like ed- educate yourself. Google search it, go to my YouTube channel, talk to an advocate, talk to an attorney, um, get yourself educated so that you know how to advocate for your child and can push as much as you want. And then the other thing would be the the secret, the secret, one of the secrets I love to say to parents is just tell them you were talking to an attorney. Mm-hmm. Just say, well, I was talking to an attorney and they said, I've had that several times and the person's called me back and said, oh, my God, the school did exactly what I wanted. I'm like, that's because they don't want an attorney to come, and right. but they know there's issues. So you can always say that. They don't know. You're not lying. You talk to an attorney. You didn't say what you talked to an attorney about. I think almost everybody has talked to an attorney about something at some point. In time. Right. And, you know, that will help. And then the other thing is knowing the language of um, a PWN, a prior written notice. Um, I think Florida calls it the refusal. But it's basically if the school refuses to do any action at all, any action at all that you ask for in the special education process or or five. No, they don't go in 504s. In the special education process, um, you ask the school to do the PWN, and what that is is the school needs to say, parents asked for X, Y, Z, the school said no because, and they have to have a reason why, and that goes in the child's file. So, like that's the first step. Like if you're in an in- situation and the school says no. Ask them for the PWN before you even come to us at that point, because that we just we just got in writing what we need
1: to go back and say, well, that's not really a good reason. Well, wow, you shared so many wonderful, helpful uh, tips for families. I think one of one of the things that I'm relieved to learn uh, from our discussion today, Francis, is that it is not too late Families, it is not too late. Whatever steps you have taken or you have not taken at this point in time, it is not too late to get help. It is not too late to help your child. So I'm really relieved to hear that. Uh, and, and thank you so much for, for sharing the, the free resources that you have available. Um, so families, you know, if if you're a little hesitant about talking to an attorney at this point, you can certainly access. Um, I think, frank says she's got over a hundred videos. So she's got a ton of free information uh, for you all to access. Um, and then once you've had the opportunity to digest what, what she said, what you've learned, of course, if you have questions, how can they reach you, Francis? So my website is shepterlaw.com,
2: S-H-E-F-T-E-R, although it's spelled on the screen, I believe. Um, and on my website, it, there's you can contact us in so many different ways. Right now, you can call us You can fill out a contact form on the website page. You can book an intake appointment with my intake specialist, or you can text us. And so we have all ways. So, you know, I thought I'm a parent with a child with an IEP. And I'm like, if I was stressed out, when am I Googling? One, two in the morning when I can't sleep because of it. So we set it up to make it easy for parents, whichever way you're comfortable, you can reach out to us and somebody will get in touch with you the next business day.
1: Great. Wonderful. We heard it here first, folks. So thank you so much to Frances Schefter from Schefter Law PA from sharing um, so many valuable tools with us about special education law and the services that she provides as an attorney and advocate. So thank you again, Frances. This has been an episode of Disability, and we look forward to talking with you and sharing some great resources with you on the next episode.
0: You've been listening to The Disability with Angel Burgess. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments and sharing the show with others. You can catch prior episodes at www.DisabilityHelpline.com and on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and more.